VegCast. Happy birthday. VegCast. VegCast 15 comes out on the first anniversary of the first VegCast. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. That's right. It's already been a year. Uh, this will come out on July 31st, just like the first one, for the same reason, trying to get it into that month of July. Uh, in this case, as promised on our first July podcast. And I had hoped to get it done earlier, but we've had a lot of thunderstorms right during the time uh, when I wanted to be sitting down and mixing this one. We've got a lot of pieces to this one. Uh, it is, of course, our Sounds of Summerfest edition. Uh, we've got a lot of sound clips to give you an idea if you weren't there of what Summerfest is about, or to take a trip down memory lane if you were there. Uh, we'll have music in the form of more exquisite singing from Sarah Eisman, George Eisman's daughter. You may have heard her last year on our uh, Sounds of Summerfest edition. I will have interviews with two titans of vegetarian media, Eric Marcus and Joe Connolly. Uh, we will hear the first Fetch cast appearance of legendary cartoonist Dan Perraro, uh, who you may recall I vowed we would get him on here, and uh, he is, at least you will hear audio of Dan. Uh, and, of course, we will also have a potpourri of reflections on what makes Summerfest special from speakers such as Howard Lyman, Carol Adams, and Dr. Michael Greger. All that, and as always, a science fact is coming your way on this edition of VegCast. Walk with me now, won't you, through the bucolic campus of the University of Pittsburgh, Johnstown, where the North American Vegetarian Society hosts the annual Vegetarian Summerfest. Actually, that is me walking through the bucolic campus, uh, but me talking is here in the studio. I originally recorded this as... Uh, what I thought would be an ambient sound, so you can hear it, uh, but you can't really hear much. There's an occasional bird, but uh, it's mainly just sounds. You can't really get the sense of serenity that I was trying to capture. Uh, so I'm just going to use this as a narrative connecting device, as though I intended to just get the sound of me walking. So here I am walking, walking into the Student Union building, walking into the cafeteria. And in the cafeteria, we have big tables, small tables, single tables, family tables. Water cooler where you can fill up on water. Let me get some water right now. Very refreshing. Anyway, the main area of the cafeteria has a variety of entrees like tofu croquettes, steamed vegetables, and sometimes mushroom soup or chili that has fruit. There's a make your own stir fry. There's a pizza bar that's very popular. But now we're walking out of the cafeteria and into the main vendor area where we're going to have a quick interview with Eric Marcus about vegetarian podcasting. We're here now with the father of vegan podcasting, Eric Marcus of Eric's Diner. Eric, thank you for being on VegCast. Oh, it's a thrill, Vance. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And so I've one thing I've wondered about your podcast is sometimes I think you, he has to have a script that he's doing this from because he can't put together these senses like this just off the top of his head, but you just did that just now. You had this whole like paragraph that had the topic sentence and it just went right through logically from beginning to end. How do you do that? 
Uh, well, one thing is to just insist on speaking in complete sentences, period. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's a skill that you build up over time. And uh, certainly when I started doing my podcast, I relied heavily on notes and I gradually weaned myself from notes. Uh, I have to say that by the time I finish just a half hour pod- podcast, I am pretty tired. Uh, because um, these podcasts are, are sort of unusual in that I go for some pretty dense content uh, along with some uh, rather uh, a continuous barrage of nasty asides directed towards the meat industry. Right. So it's a, it's a real mix between uh, really heavy academic thinking along with just gratuitous nastiness. So uh, it's... Uh, it's uh, well, I've never it's thought a, of describing it that way. But. And it, it's a fun mix. It's, uh, it, you know, what I decide... Uh, how I decide to create a podcast and, and what I decide to put into it, it it's very simple for me. Is it, it comes down to, is this a topic that interests me? And my hope is that if it interests me, it's going to interest a lot of people who are interested in the movement. But I'm and not, obviously it does. Uh, yeah, I'm not thinking, well, who is my audience and what would they like to hear this week? I think about, well, does this interest me or not? Right. And if it interests me, then uh, I will talk about it and, and share my observations on uh, whatever it is uh, happening this week that has really grabbed my attention. Right. Well, and that's probably the best way to work for podcasts. I mean, that's one of the things that makes podcasts a different kind of medium in it, is that it tends to be something that's more, like the person doing it is more personally invested in than, say, you know, your newspaper, your magazine, your radio show even. You usually have, like, one person that's you're getting their kind of unfiltered voice. Well, the, the other thing about podcasts that are pretty interesting is that they will never have the finished quality of a book. I mean, when I write a book, I rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, and uh, frankly, the time spent rewriting often exceeds the time spent writing. I, uh, I'm merciless as far as throwing away my original writing and, and concocting new drafts, and with a podcast, that just isn't possible. So it's as much a performance as a... Uh, Analysis and a bringing together of ideas. It's a, it, because it happens in real time and there's not much of a way to filter. Speaking of filtering, when we talked about having you uh, do some sound, you were going to do uh, one of the Three Stooges voices for us, right? <laughs> oh, you're not going to do that? I... Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you happy now? <laughs> All right. Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Eric Marcus, for being with us on VegCast and sharing your podcasting pearls of wisdom. Well, thank you, Vance. It's a pleasure to be on your show. So now we are walking back out through the campus. Uh, in fact, across that same stretch of terrain we had walked before, but uh, going over to the Pascarilla Center. Uh, one of the interesting things about Summerfest is it has this beautiful campus where people can get, get out and catch some rays, catch some Zs, catch some Frisbees. We're here outside the Pascarilla Center for a game of frisbee toss between Joe Connolly, Gene Bowson, Chip Ballou, and Jerry Cook. And Gene has just thrown one to Jerry who catches it without even moving. It was that well thrown. Joe Connolly is now running and tossing to Chip. Joe has progressively shed his name tag, his uh, electronic device, his overshirt. He's now down to a t-shirt. And again, a magnificent save. 
And another one that just about causes a car accident. Well, if we had been had some tragic accident, it would have been well documented here on the audio portion of VegCast. Now it looks like Chip's going back to Gene with one of those crazy upside-down throws. And now Gene is doing one of those to Jerry, and it's it actually goes upside down onto the, the grass. Okay, and for those of you keeping track at home, I actually was there speaking live as that Frisbee game was happening, as that near accident almost happened when the Frisbee ran into the road in front of a car. Uh, I guess skidded into the road would be more accurate. At any rate, I uh, wound up talking with Joe Connolly uh, about the historic 50th issue of Veg News magazine. Let's listen. Uh, Joe, so Joe Connolly. That's me. Founder of Veg News. When you founded Veg News, yes. did, you, did you have the current incarnation of Veg News in your mind then as this is what I want to work toward, or was it just I'm going to jump in and see where this goes? Uh, I think probably a little bit of both. Um, actually, Gene Bowston, who I you know, just finished playing Frisbee with here, uh, was one of the original um, mentors and, and uh, inspirations. I was running a vegetarian society in Syracuse, New York, and was hoping to do something bigger with the newsletter that we were publishing at the time. And originally, the idea was to just do something more like uh, New York State-based or even just upstate New York. Uh, but it was like, you know if you build it, they will come type mentality. We just decided, uh, after I met my partner Colleen here at Summerfest seven years ago yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, moved to San Francisco and, and decided to just go for a national publication. Now, at the time, the national publication was much more of a vegetarian community publication and not a national glossy magazine. Right. Um, but we didn't we did not know that we were going to do it that way. We just were doing what we could at the time and hope and, and waiting and seeing uh, where it would lead us. And, and it's led us to a lifestyle-type publication that's uh, on the newsstands now across the country and, and growing rapidly. Okay. Let me just ask, what, why did you need to move to San Francisco to do the national publication? Or was it just that it was concurrent with a desire to move or Colleen was already out there? Yes, or Colleen, what? when we met, I was in Syracuse and Colleen was in San Francisco. We, uh, One of us was going to move to be near the other and actually originally she was going to move to, to Syracuse um, because I was already established there and doing a, vegeta- a veggie thing there. But I went out to visit her in San Francisco uh, on, on December 17th, 1999 actually and it was about 80 degrees. I think when I left Syracuse it was probably like zero degrees. And I said, let me reconsider this. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, went to a Chinese restaurant wearing shorts and a T-shirt and never looked back. Okay. So, so now... And, and actually, I should add, let me also add that the uh, the uh, benefit of moving to California where, where there's a much more progressive and, and veg-friendly scene, um, you know, within six months I was having lunch with John Robbins and... and making connections like that and right. uh, you know that wasn't going to happen in Syracuse New York unfortunately probably not yeah there's a lot of good potatoes there but other than that not much for vegetarians okay well now uh, you've nurtured veg news along and it became a big newspaper then now a magazine um, do you have you've you've stepped out of the uh, you know day-to-day or month-to-month editor 
role? You're, you're what, editor emeritus, or what is your official title? <laughs> my official now? title is, is editor in chief. Actually, my official title is publisher, really, at this publisher. point. I retain the title of editor in chief, but it's basically editor emeritus. We have a wonderful managing editor named Aurelia Dondrea, and she, um, she, she traffics the editorial much better than I ever did, I should add. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big step. Aurelia was really our first um, major employee. Um, second employee overall, and um, she's been able to do things with the magazine by by devoting you know her her duties to the task of the editorial, which you know when I was always juggling many different hats. She's been able to take the editorial to a level which never was before over the last two years, and um, you know we've actually now been getting we we started getting recognized for our design, which is of course great. Uh, but now we're getting recognized as well for our editorial, so we've, we really feel that the package has come together quite nicely. Okay, and but you you still maintain uh, you know you do the big picture kind of thing. I oh I'm I'm still involved in every aspect of the publication, yeah. um, um, but I'm overseeing things now instead of doing them myself. Right. Um, I still check in every, every day. I'm at the office and uh, usually making a uh, lunch for the staff. Although now we're kind of Providing that up as well. Um, I sit in on editorial. So meetings. your previous role was included making lunch for the staff. Well, up until about two weeks ago, I cooked lunch for the staff every day. Um, every day. Every day, and then uh, that's kind of a. I think many more companies should. Well, I, that I you know, I think so because you know, well, there's not so many companies like Veg News, you know, where you know, where we're, we're it's it's. Veg News is, is a lot like Summerfest in that we, we all feel that we're one big family, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so everybody does what they have to do. Where we we feel that we're a, a mission-driven publication or a mission-driven business versus a profit-driven business. And okay. the people who come to work for for me at Veg News uh, tend to do better if their hearts and and minds are in vegetarianism and, and animal issues rather than if their hearts and minds are on just collecting a paycheck at the end of the day. So for all of you listeners out there, if you know who are looking for jobs in journalism, um, you know if you're not driven by the almighty consumerist dollar and rather by making a difference in the world, send me your resume. Okay, and if I could just uh, finish up with sure what uh, you know you've you've had 50 issues and. Lord knows by the time I get this out, it may be 51. No, I'll have this out before then. Okay. Um, but uh, looking toward the next 50 issues, I mean, given that you may not have had this exact version of the product in mind the moment that you launched, but you mm-hmm. had, there is some kernel of that there. Can you extrapolate into what Veg News is going to become, or do you feel like you've you've pretty much arrived at this plateau and you're just going to try to maintain this uh, this version, this incarnation. Okay. I think that the, the the magazine, for the most part, will stay looking similar to what it looks like, with always making improvements. Of course, with the page numbers will grow certainly. Um, uh, our advertising continues to grow, but but we like the 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 way we have the magazine, or the, we call it the book in the industry. The way the book is set up, we like it. We have three sections each issue, and. Um, there's a news section, there's a kind of an in-depth cover story type section, and then there's a third section of lifestyle type uh, single-page articles. And we, we like that look. It could change, but for now we're happy with it. Um, it's a great question with real no, no real answer because, as you've mentioned or alluded to a couple times already, 
uh, we had not we we didn't have a roadmap when we set out. So um, you know we got to where we are without having any kind of a roadmap, and we really just have to go by gut and what feels right. When changes make sense, we make them. Uh, you know, we we could very well redesign the magazine at some point in the future, but but certainly we have reached. I mean, I don't like to use the word plateau because it's kind of a negative connotation to plateau, mm -hmm. at least to some people. But we have reached a, a nice place right now, and we certainly, um, for, and, and really for the last two years, what we've done is if, is improve the product we already have rather than reinvent the product, and, and right. we're happy with that. And readers like consistency. And, you know, readers really don't like all that much change, so so we've done that. Now, one thing which, uh, and I hope my staff doesn't hear this, but they probably will. But one thing it, it, we would like to do if possible is to expand right now we're six issues a year if possible we'd maybe like to do maybe you know, 10 issues a year monthly with a couple double issues mm -hmm. but we would need much larger staff to do that and um and we're not to that point yet but uh that would you know people come up to the table when we're at a show like this and uh, we're, we're at Summerfest, folks in case you forgot that uh, and they ask all the time. The only criticism I have of Veg News is that you know you only come out every two months, and and I understand that. You know, uh, we we just we're doing the best we can right now with a very limited staff. Right. We're, and and um, it's something that is definitely always on our mind. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that we have the woman power and manpower hours to do it. Okay. Excellent work. Well, thank you for doing Veg News in the first place, and of course for talking with me today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for every, everything that you do, including contributing, you know, your your cartoons for five years to Veg News or five sure. and a half years, and uh, and for doing this podcast. Okay. Have well, it's thanks all around. Then. Okay. All right. So as you'll recall, that was uh, taking place right outside the Pascarilla Center, uh, which is the main uh, stage for performances, and we're going to go in there to get a sampling of some of the entertainment at Summerfest. Uh, starting with Sarah Eisman, we're going to go by way of the Living Learning Center, uh, starting with a clip of her in the game room rehearsing, warming up for that performance. Through the magic of podcasting, Sarah is now on stage at the Bascarilla Center, sitting in that same passage. As you can tell, this particular recording is not picking up the best of Sarah, but just to give you some idea of what she sounds like. Sarah is not only a singer, she's a songwriter. She debuted a song she'd written called Animal Journey and got uh, the audience to clap along. was actually the best uh, rendition of the clapping that the audience did I, I picked for that clip. 
But um, we'll hear uh, more from Sarah a little later. Uh, and there was a wealth of uh, different kinds of entertainment at this Summerfest. But for me, uh, the highlight was me uh, being on stage with Dan Perraro for uh, collaborative improv cartooning, uh, which Dan said was my idea. Which the first part of that was true, it was my idea, but we had worked out what we were going to do, which was to uh, create a musical cartoon treatment of a potential movie uh, to spread the idea of vegetarianism. And of course, as with all good improv, we had to start with getting the audience to select words for it, which. You're thinking of like a part of speech or. A... Oh, sure, you pick the easy ones, noun and verb, and you leave the last one to me. Alright, uh, a subjunctive participle. Okay, so it became apparent very early on that the character Dan was going to improvise was the cranky curmudgeon, uh, which he did very well. Uh, and he also, of course, managed to work in some great gag lines uh, that he had already obviously tried out on the road, uh, such as when we were trying to still get the audience to pick the noun and the verb. This is what you call improv, is it not? In, Am I right? It will eventually become that. Okay. <laughs> All right. To me, I, now, just to make sure that we've got enough people to do this, by show of hands, how many people are here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> not everyone. <laughs> not everyone is here tonight. It's true, not everybody raised their hand. So uh, Dan started playing around more and uh, coming up with stuff that uh, we had to do together, such as right when we were about to pick the subjunctive participle, he's made his way. Hey! All right, wait, 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 wait. Before we do that part, let's just do a little musical interview real quick. Okay. I think just to break your tension. started clapping. That's always a bad sign for, for improv music. But uh, we had other improv music planned. Uh, once the theme of this pirate was chosen, uh, we had uh, first Dan draw a cartoon while I played the theme on the piano. I've put my microphone down on the floor and uh, I realize I, people can't hear me sing. So this was just one of the great uh, moments trying to figure out what to do. Fortunately, Ashley Lou Smith, Dan's girlfriend, rushed on stage, picked up the microphone to hold it so that I could sing and play at the same time and I immediately launched into the theme song. Yeah, you can hear me now. Some great improv lyrics there. Okay, so that gives you the idea of my part. Uh, and Dan, meanwhile, is drawing the pirate on his pop cycle, uh, which came out of, of course, the audience suggestions. So Dan had drawn that one, and uh, then it was my turn to draw the fight between the uh, the good pirate and the guy from KFC it is a long story. Uh, but this Dan accompanied me on his cardboard guitar, 
and uh, improved his own uh, description of what was going on while I was drawing. guitar sound and the fact it was coming from his voice it was sometimes hard to tell whether he was singing or the guitar was singing but at any rate we got that part drawn and then came the grand finale where Dan and I would draw the secret identity of the pirate and we had actually uh, worked out that who the identity would be but when I mentioned that we were going to do this Dan acted I have no idea what you're talking about and I was panicking there for a while until he, he did remember that we had talked about so right here you can actually hear the sound of uh, dual uh, collaborative improv cartooning happening. You hear those markers squeaking. So the end of Caterpillar. Commentary. You'll hear the sound of hair being drawn. There it was, that was the magic marker, squeaking. And then uh, one of us did that, the other one. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. That's just something you're not going to hear uh, on other podcasts or anywhere. In fact, the sound of collaborative improv cartooning. At any rate, uh, we kept it up. And until the dramatic unveiling of the secret identity of this pirate. Oh my god! Who is it? The good pirate all along was none other than Dr. Michael Greger! And the thing is, it really did look like a caricature of uh, Dr. Greger, which uh, we had planned to do but didn't realize we were going to do it that way, and I was. Really gratified to see it turn out that way, and on any other podcast uh, summary of Summerfest, you probably wouldn't get this attention to detail on uh, this one uh, kind of skit uh, that was done, but since I was there, it was uh, my thing, I figured, and I got audio of it, I figured I would uh, go into that somewhat, but now let's move on, shall we? So you might wonder what, other than the opportunity for a couple of degenerate cartoonists to indulge their hobby, does Summerfest offer that uh, you don't necessarily find it just any uh, celebration of vegetarianism? I put this question to a few of the speakers who have uh, made Summerfest name, and these are some of the responses I got, starting with the irrepressible Howard Lyman. Well, the first thing that brings me back is the people that are here. You noticed last night that, uh, you know, almost half of the people that are here are new people. Yeah. They're folks that uh, show up and they're yearning and they want to learn. And on the other side of it, you have the best cutting information in the movement. You have the speakers that, that have the best information. And on top of that, you've got Ken Bergeron's food. I mean, 
how could you have anything that was better? Great people, great information, and fantastic food. And then, that's not to say anything about the wonderful entertainment. You know, they got a guy that comes and plays the piano and draws crazy things <laughs> up there. And, you know, I look out and I say, i got to come back and see whether they've incarcerated that guy yet or not. Because he gets crazier every year. But it's not only crazy, it's great. Okay. Well, thank you for your assessment and thank you for being with us here on VegCast. And thank you for making Summerfest uh, uniquely what it is. Well, thanks. I want to thank you. I should mention that in case you could hear it uh, in his speech. Howard was walking quickly during that interview. We were uh, making the beeline between uh, Pascarilla Center and uh, the cafeteria one of the many times a day to get some more of that fine stir-fry and pizza. But uh, next I caught up with Joe Connolly and what is it about Summerfest out here that draws you all the way across the country? I mean, you don't go to just every East Coast no. uh, event. So what is it about Summerfest? It's the camaraderie. It's the people. It's uh, seeing old friends once a year. It's, it's like fa- it's really, truly, as, as silly as it sounds or as, you know, used tired and old cliches it sounds, it's really family. It's uh, Everybody here feels like a family. And... and you get to see your family once a year, and you know, and unlike your real family, there's no arguments or fights about food, or you know, it's like everybody comes and we're all friends, and you know, everybody's made love to each other here. Yeah. <laughs> now watch this throw. We're gonna, you, I, I'm gonna okay. throw this to Jerry, and I want you to describe the throw as right. it happens. We'll Ready? Watch this. All right. Here he goes. What a powerful throw! It's classic frisbee angle, but Jerry is again. You know, he's kind of an old man. Yeah, Jerry you, is old. You yeah. don't, you have to kind of throw I it to him. He doesn't you know. do those. That, one of those that for you or Gene right. would have been an opportunity to go flying. Us guys he that are under 80 years that. old can catch that one, you know? <laughs> so, so really, that's what it's all about. Summerfest is just one big happy family summer camp for vegetarians. It's The food is good. In fact, the food is too good. Yeah. We end we end up eating so much that we need to play frisbee to burn off the calories. That's fair. Um, lectures are great. You know, we just heard Gene Bowson and Michael Greger speak at the plenary session about half an hour ago. And, you know, that was just you know, Gene talking about compassion and, and farm animals. Michael Greger talking about the the uh, upcoming bird flu epidemic. So you know, it's it's not just all fun and games here. We also learn stuff, but we do it in a, in a way that makes everybody feel comfortable and happy and humor's mixed in so you know it's, it's really just as as good as it gets for vegetarians to be honest with you and while we were at the frisbee game we checked in with a longtime Summerfest fixture and playtime instructor and uh, all around nice fella chip blue if you had uh just one thing that about Summerfest that kind of distinguishes it from all events of its type that makes it stand out or that brings you personally back, what would that be? Um, the people, you know, just uh, great people and the, and the environment, you know. It's it's, uh, it's just more of a relaxed environment, more social. Um, it's uh, a lot of conferences, you don't really have time to connect with people. Right. You know, there's so much going on and there's just more, you know, activities and where you can get to know people and... You know, be outside more. I yeah. like that. It's just, uh, I think like Joe said, it's just kind of like family. And you actually, you know, help 
keep get people outside and get people meeting people too. So yeah, it's yeah. It's not like it just happens. You, you're one of the prime movers of it. Well, yeah, I, I do a few things. Yeah, you know, do play shops and you know provide kind of the some fun activities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I would say if it's the people. You know, you're one of the reasons, <laughs> and yourself. Well, that thanks. Special. All right, well, thanks. And not that day, but the next, I did catch up with Gene Baustian, uh, again, out uh, playing on the lawn with Chip. Well, it's a great opportunity to get together with fellow vegetarians and vegans and in, enjoy each other's company, enjoy good vegan food, uh, play Frisbee, and, and just, just, just have fun. That's right. the, the unique thing about Summerfest. Okay, and you're actually out here now with a boomerang. You That's right, I'm out here, and Chip is out. teaching me how to use a boomerang. So I've been throwing it a few times. It's, it's really interesting. It's amazing, yeah. the aerodynamics of these things. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just enjoying that. So it's, it's you learn something new that you didn't even expect to learn. That is correct. Okay. This is brand new. I, I didn't expect to learn this, and I am. And I put the same question uh, to the author of Sexual Politics of Meat, Carol Adams. I think community. The sense of community, the opportunity to meet people I admire, whose recipe books I use, whose writings I've read, activists who are doing such important things. You get to, in a very short amount of time, get exposed to such a variety of thoughts and foods and people. Okay. And it's affirming. It definitely is affirming. And, of course, people like us get to meet people like you. So it's a trade-off, right? Well, it's great. You know, it is nice to meet people who've read my work and were changed by it. Well, there you That's, go. One doesn't get to do that every day. So right. I like that, too. And you all remember Scott Geiger from our recent uh, Phillies show about the hot dogs. Speaking of his son, he says... I particularly like it for him, being that it is a family environment that he's going to be able to grow up coming year and year after year, seeing old friends, and it will re-energize him and, uh, you know, to stay with his uh, vegan lifestyle. So I think that's the thing that appeals to me now. Allison Memo Geiger reaffirmed that notion of family. Get used to the people. Everyone's nice. And you want to come see them every year. There's people I wouldn't, I wouldn't see otherwise. Club Veg founder Amy Hamlin. It's my refuge from the harsh, cruel world. The food is good. And the best thing of all is all the wonderful people and all the wonderful friends that I've made here and all of the wonderful people that I, new people that I meet every year. Eric Marcus also brought up the people issue. This event brings together dozens of my favorite people and I'm only going to see them all in one place by coming to Summerfest and that alone makes it worth the trip, makes it worth the price of admission and makes it just uh, four or five just spectacular days. It's really the highlight of my year. So. Uh, where else can you eat great vegan food, hang out with some of the uh, most committed activists on the planet, and uh, just have a wonderful time for several days on end? Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, no, I couldn't, but perhaps George Eisman can. Well, it's, I've been here the last 20, 23 out of 24 Summerfests I've been here, and uh, it's just that the, the community of people for, for five days, the whole community becomes vegetarian, vegan, and... All the food, all the people, all the talk is, um, you know, 
in line with uh, the belief system that, that I live and, and that I eat, and it's just such a, a comforting feeling to be part of this society, even if it's just temporary. Okay. always have the fantasy that it would last longer than this, but it's always next year. All right. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. And, of course, I also wanted to get the perspective of the North American Vegetarian Society on the question, and so who better to talk to than the warm, witty, wonderful president of NAVS, Jenny Kerwood. Folks have been doing this for 32 Two years. years, yes. Um, when, you first, when you first started doing a North American conference, uh, did you expect to see like what we saw here today in terms of Yes and no. I think yeah. the earlier vision of the world of the vegetarian conferences was based on the international model because our first conference was in 1975 and it was a World Vegetarian Congress. And they were um, much less heavily focused on cutting edge um, health and nutrition because there wasn't any cutting edge health and nutrition. There were a lot of folks doing what they believed in without having the science to back them up. One of the things we've been able to do over the last 32 years is bring together some of those forefronts in the health and nutrition fields who can actually point to research and science that explains why what we're doing is actually good for us and better for the planet. And that wasn't always true. A lot of what we did in the early days was based on emotional content, which was equally important. But for the folks out there who aren't necessarily at that emotional level, those facts and figures really help bring them along. Right. And in terms of bringing them along, um, I can vouch for the fact that at least one person who has come to Summerfest as a vegetarian with no thought of ever going vegan has left with uh, a determination to go vegan and Mm -hmm. has in fact gone vegan within uh, a year and a half of that point. Do you have any idea how many people that's happened to? Well, we haven't quantified them. We're counting on you to do that math for us <laughs> as you go through the next year and quantify numbers that we can all agree are right. But we know without unequivocally know people who come here as thinking about vegetarians leave as vegetarians. People who come here thinking about vegetarians leave as vegans. And many, many people move along the path. Almost everybody who's been here as a repeat attendee has moved along the path. I came as solely an emotional environmental activist in 1980 when I came in, an animal rights activist. Mm-hmm. Over the years, because you know, I've been here a really long time, um, I've evolved as I hear the speakers and as I had my children, nutrition and health became a much bigger issue for me. And as you want to go out and walk your talk, if you're not healthy, no one believes anything you have to say. Right. Well, just one last question, which I've asked other people, the speakers, from their perspective, uh, and what I've asked is so special about Summerfest, uh, especially to people who do other conferences, what is it about this one that brings you here now for a really different perspective? I wanted to ask you, what what is it about Summerfest that you think makes it stand out from any other animal or veg- vegetarian-themed event that uh, people could do? What people tell me is that it's the people here that there's an energy and a compassion and a humor and a shared vision here that they often don't find at other programs. We're very encompassing. We're very embracing. So we're not setting up an us and them. The vegans are on this side of the cafeteria and the raw fooders are over there. We're all together. And I think that that's what people tell us is that when they come here, they feel like they've come home. Well, they've told me that too. Good. So I guess it's uh, it's official now. It's official. We're home. And if you want to come home, come here. Well, that was a fine discussion, but somehow I knew that for the definitive answer to this question, 
I would have to get a response from the indefatigable Dr. Michael Greger. Make Summerfest remarkable or special or worth coming to, and you can't say the people. Because everybody says No, no, it's course, not the people. talking about you. No, it's not the people. Sorry. But it is a two-syllable word that starts with P. Okay. And the word is pizza. Have you tried the pizza this year? No, I'm serious. They got the vegan gourmet. Have you know? Uh, you know the good. What is it? Follow your heart cheese. None of that stuff before that didn't melt. It's gooey. It's melty. It's whole wheat. It's fantastic. They kept running out. We need more pizza next year. Uh, that, that's that's the really one. So you're saying that no other animal rights or vegetarian conference has pizza like this? No one. I mean, I can't even get pizza where I... I mean, no one can get pizza this good. That's. I've already got my registration in for next year, and I've already reserved the table next to the pizza bar, Okay. and uh, so it's all mine. And just for those people who don't understand, we're conducting this interview while Michael Greger is stacking dishes, because he has to do something in order to pay for all the pizza that he's eating. Is that right? It is indeed. It is indeed. And, and I feel bad for all the people that went pizza-less because of my voracious vegan appetite. But, uh, you know, grown boy, got to fuel the brain cells and, and all that stuff. Right. And now the, the dishes, you know, they're getting stacked. So That's right. It takes some upper body muscular strength to do that kind of thing. Okay. And now you're done. See? There you go. That's beautiful. Ah, okay. <laughs> Thank you for talking with us on VegCast. Absolutely. Thank you. I feel duty-bound to disclose that Dr. Greger was not actually the one stacking those dishes. It was a cafeteria worker who was doing it right next to us while we were trying to record. Anyway, I think I'll close out this Sounds of Summerfest portion of VegCast with a selection from the Veggie Nightingale, Sarah Eisman. I don't mind spending time on the grass or the ground. I don't mind that I find myself rolling around. But I dream that someday I'll discover a way to be part of the heart of the sky.
Vegan diet reverses diabetes symptoms. Reuters reports people who ate a low-fat vegan diet cutting out all meat and dairy lowered their blood sugar more and lost more weight than people on a standard American Diabetes Association diet, researchers said on Thursday. They lowered their cholesterol more and ended up with better kidney function, according to the report published in Diabetes Care, a journal published by the American Diabetes Association. Participants said the vegan diet was easier to follow than most because they did not measure portions or count calories. After 22 weeks on the diet, 43% of those on the vegan diet and 26% of those on the standard diet were either able to stop taking some of their drugs, such as insulin or glucose control medications, or lowered the doses. The vegan dieters lost 14 pounds on average, while the Diabetes Association dieters lost 6.8 pounds. An important level of glucose control called A1C fell by 1.23 points in the vegan group and by 0.38 in the group on the standard diet. Uh, so we noticed that there's a dramatic difference here with the vegan diet actually uh, doing 100% more, more than 100% more change, uh, positive change that we're looking for on this kind of diet. And the interesting thing is that it's not a specific uh, tailored diet to this particular concept other than being uh, low in sugar. Uh, the American diet is Diabetes Association diet is more tailored, taking into account the patient's weight and cholesterol. Uh, and I just think it's interesting that this way of eating that it happens to be particularly ethical uh, also has another application here where it's making a difference in people's health. And maybe we should start looking at that diet just as a, an across-the-board approach to health and might help to actually look at health that way as something that happens across the board instead of in these little pieces that we have to report in these individual stories. But when those individual stories do come out, you can be sure you'll hear them right here on Science Fact. Okay, and that's going to do it for this Sounds of Summerfest edition of VegCast. I want to thank everybody who took time out from their Summerfest to talk with me about Summerfest or about whatever. Uh, I especially want to thank uh, the Eismans for uh, letting us play uh, some Sarah Eisman for the world. Did I mention that she's 11? Uh, yeah, she's 11 years old. Sarah Eisman, uh, best wishes for her future. And thanks, uh, of course, to Dan Perraro for being such a good sport on uh, the whole improv cartooning thing. Uh, if you have a, a rebuttal, if you don't think that I presented things right on this, I will offer Dan the, uh, the raw tape of that performance, and uh, Dan can make his own podcast 
exactly was going on there. Or, alternately, uh, maybe we'll just have Dan on to talk about cartooning at some point in the future. And until points in the future, I want to bid you adieu, and thanks for uh, downloading VegCast. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you perhaps next year at Summerfest and uh, get some of your reactions or come up with some audio uh, that we can do that year. But until then, and until we get the next VegCast out to you, this is Vance reminding you to get out there and live like you mean it. Veg-cast.